0: Welcome to the CDM Podcast, a production of Contagious Disciple Making. We exist to catalyze movement through coaching, community, and communication. We created this podcast to help everyday Christians to become world changing disciple makers.
1: I'm Paul Watson. And this is Rebecca Ewing, and you're listening to the CDM Podcast. Like, share, five star rate, and review this podcast. You can download the CDM app. Come join the growing platform where you can access our praying community of disciple makers and learn from our podcasts, blogs and videos that will help you know how to make disciples in your life and ministry. While you're on there, you can support this podcast by following the link to our Patreon. Your support allows us to continue to offer and create new content and support disciple makers like you as you transform your communities with the gospel of the kingdom. And as a thank you, those who give at least $5 a month will have access to our premium content that dives even deeper into the challenges and tips for disciple making. The following is a portion of our Giving Tuesday live event,
0: where Paul and Rebecca chatted with disciple makers from around the world. For more information on partnering with CDM, go to ContagiousDiscipleMaking.com partner.
2: We're all about developing communities of people that work together to seek the kingdom. So the smallest level is the disciple making community, the local small group. Any church can be able to have this as a small group option or options in their church. In fact, we talk about it. But then we're going to be talking about in this next one about church hubs and area hubs. And, um, you know, church hubs is all about trying to get churches Whole churches being able to be a disciple-making hub that they're equipping their people to go out and make disciples who make disciples, and that's what the 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 central theme and thrust of the church is, and not just a tributary, a stream that a few radical few do, but something that the whole church participates in. And then also seeing various different churches and communities and individuals coming together to form an area hub across a city, across a a county, to be able to work together to expand the kingdom within the area. And we have a friend who's going to be helping us, uh, you know, talk about this today. It's Michael Dorsett, uh, pastor. Uh, Thank you for joining us today, Michael uh so uh he is a pastor from liberty texas how are you doing today michael
3: doing great how are you guys
2: well finer than a frog's hair now that you're here michael hey, so uh, a good day.
3: <laughs> that is a good day
2: so uh michael's a longtime friend of ours and uh recently has come on a couple of Trips with us actually over this past year. One to San Diego. He had to go. Texas had to come to California uh, for (laughs) for uh, one one particular trip we had out there, and then also came with us uh, briefly to the New Wineskins conference. Was it was a missions conference that uh, many Anglicans come and join to be able to help promote disciple making and also try to establish church hubs and, and area hubs and things like that. So you participated, but, you know, first in that, Michael, uh, just tell us a little bit about your background, you know, your journey into doing disciple making and working along with us with your church.
3: Uh, Yeah. So um, I am a pastor at Cornerstone Church in Liberty, Texas, um, associate pastor here, been on staff since 2015, um, so if my calculations are correct, that's seven years. It's that's a long, long time. time. That's a long time, yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still happy doing it, so that's good. There you go. Um, I am married uh, very soon to celebrate 20-year anniversary with my wife, Erin, and we have four daughters, um, ages 19, 16, 10, and 8, so quite a big spectrum. Um, all, 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 girls though. So, um, you know, I can link my Venmo to this video if you want to provide for weddings, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Too many dowries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I
3: got, I got born again in 2004 and have been basically doing the work of the Lord since then. And, um, got involved with CDM in 2000 at the very tail end of 2018, really started working in 2019, um, with, with CDM and, uh, journey's been great. Learned so much and, you know, a lot to learn still, but, um, feel more equipped today than ever to, uh, reach the community where I live. And, um, I still think, you know, it's the command of Christ to, to reach the lost. And, um, That's what we want to do here. And, uh, that's what we're trying to do.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, uh, as we said, you know, we, you came with us on a couple of trips. So one was, and both of these trips really ultimately was to try to get people, of course, to start disciple making communities, but then really also to try to, to, to connect with church leaders to see, like, to cast the vision of this is how we can be able to, um, to bring people together, uh, you know, in a church to be able to equip them to make disciples and make that the central theme of a church. So in what we call a church hub. And, you know, again, we don't see, you know, we don't see uh, disciple making as something that only a select like I said earlier, the few, the proud, the Marines, to be able to do inside their church or their radicals is something that anybody can do at some particular level. And so we're going out and trying to talk to people about this. What are some of the what are some of the things that you kind of noticed as your observations as we were going around and talking to people and and you participating with us in that?
3: Um, I think one of the major observations that I've seen and and this would definitely be in America, um, having traveled to San Diego and then also to North Carolina and where I live and then other places I know of is that I think there's a a growing number of folks who realize, Hey, we have to, we have to make some shifts. We have to do something different because what we're doing is, is uh, there's some effectiveness. I never want to say it's not effective because people are being reached in some some form or fashion but when we read the scripture and see what God has called us to do um, I think there's a lot of questions out there like hey are we missing anything um, and if so uh, what is that that I can start doing to to, to reach my community and um, I think as I, I went to both of those places San Diego and North Carolina that was kind of the question on everybody's Mind is like, we know we want to do something different. We need to to make some some shifts. What are those? How can we do that? And how can we reach our community?
2: So, what would you say? You know, um, guys, as we start coming into this uh, particular concept, and know that for you, being a pastor, you know, looking into this, you know, um, what surprised you? Uh, you know, what is something that you, from a pastor's perspective? When you're trying to talk to another pastor about this concept of saying, like, "Hey, this is this is something that we should all be thinking about," or something you know, trying to connect with them, you know, what are some of the things that you say to them?
3: Um, well, I try to when I'm talking to another pastor, um, I make some assumptions, you know that um, that they are wanting to fulfill their calling from an Ephesians four standpoint of of being pastors, which is to equip the body for the work of the ministry. Um, As I I believe, I believe the best about every, if I'm sitting across from a pastor, that's what he's wanting to do. So, and I always approach how I'm talking about disciple making from that standpoint, because um, as a pastor, I'm not simply just uh, here to preach um, I, I, am, I feel like it's my calling and my job to take everybody that's a part of the local body I'm a part of and help train them and equip them to, to do the work of the ministry. Now, I'm also a believer, which is what I talk to pastors, but we're, we're believers, too. So we're to be working um, and doing the same work that we're, we're training and asking others to do. So I think that's one of the main things I always approach with is like, hey, the first thing is I became a practitioner before I started teaching my people because I can't ask my people to do stuff that I'm not doing. Um, So when I'm talking to them, that's the first thing I say is, Hey, you know, are you satisfied with how you're, you're fulfilling the great commission, how your, how your church is fulfilling the great commission? Because that was one of the things that initially got me looking around and finding um, CDM was, I was not satisfied with, what I saw happening in my context versus what I was reading in the scripture. And um, so that's the approach I always take with pastors. Hey, are you satisfied? Um, I, I've talked to a lot of pastors and most of them aren't satisfied. If I think if you're worth your salt, you're probably not satisfied. You're never <laughs> been satisfied. Um, so that's the initial approach I take is, Hey, what what's it look like? I think it was Francis Chan who said, you know, he knew he needed to change when he was, when he realized that he was one gift preaching every week to 5,000 gifts who weren't doing anything. Mm,
2: mm.
3: They were just there to listen to him. You know, Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I don't, I don't want that. I want to see where I live, reach for, for the kingdom. And um, so that's the the initial things I talked to pastors with about, Hey, are you satisfied? Generally it's a no. And well, Hey, here's what we've been doing and um, and things that can help Help get you to a place of where you are moving in a direction to see results and be able to measure and know along the way how things are going. Do we need to shift here, shift there?
2: You know, I'm going to ask you for just a moment. In just a moment, the idea of what do you think that um, is some of is some of the biggest. Things that are holding some pastors back from fully in- incorporating this into their church or starting this into church. I'd like to ask you that for a second. But you know, first, Paul, I want to be able to, to to talk with you for a second. You know, we are. You know, um, when we talk about shifting a church into becoming a disciple making church, you know, we're talking about change and helping people through a lot of change inside the church. And so, we want to have finesse. In it, we want to be able to have a situation in which we are, you know, not just coming in and trying to get everybody to do everything from day one, but at the same time, we don't want to just have this siphoned off forever. These just five people out of a 300 person church who's willing to do something. So we have to have this process in which we get started with the, the, what we call the early adopters, the so people who are like, hey, yes, I'm willing to learn how to make disciples and engage the lost. I'm willing to, to help mobilize prayer. I'm willing to do good for my community. Even if it's a messy process, I'm willing to go through that process you know, uh, with other people. And then from the general with the rest of the church, that you're starting to shift things to be more towards doing what the word says versus just hearing what the word says to praying for these things, hearing the stories from that. And that as they are telling the stories about what they're doing and they're hearing the stories about what they're doing, more and more start wanting to join this crew and we can be able to, to see things change in and throughout a church. And so um, it's, it's, it's definitely a process that we help people through?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have to, uh, anytime that I think one of the biggest problems that we have inside of churches is that they look and they say that, uh, that that missions is the purview of a group of elite people. And, and so we've taken disciple-making from the hands of the everyday believer in a church, a mm-hmm. command that's been given to everyone, and we put it in the hands of specialized people, just like we've taken a lot of ministry out of the hands of the members of a church and, and inadvertently put them in the hands of pastors and staff and things like that. And so what movement tries to do inside the context of a church is go, wait a second, Disciple, disciple-making... Uh, becoming a disciple, engaging the lost, helping them become a disciple is something everyone does as part of all the things they do. Uh, Ministry at its essence of just picking up a phone and calling somebody and saying, Hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything? Are you okay? How can I pray for you? That that is now something that everyone does all the time and, and, and putting it in there. Now it takes a little while to work, to change people's focus as you were describing. And so beginning with those early adopters, people who will try something new, who don't mind risking a few things, and uh, and everything is really important because their obedience starts to get those stories that we talked about on the last on the last section. Their obedience gets those stories that then the pastors, those who can broadcast stories, can grab those stories and now broadcast it to the rest of the body of Christ and then they start to get a vision for, "Oh, this is what it means for me to be a plumber and a disciple maker mm. and do ministry. This is what it means to be a daycare worker and to and to be a disciple maker and to be in ministry. This is what it means to be an engineer and uh, and everything and oh and this is what it means to be a stay at home mom and this is what it means to be a high school senior. And so the pastor helps to be that conductor between all those different groups to gather those stories and make sure they know of each other. Paul, the apostle did this. We see in his letters where he says, Hey, you know, that letter I sent y'all I want you to make sure that it's read over there and their letter. I want to make sure that they've read it here. And Oh, by the way, I'm sending this guy to hang out with you. He's going to bring all the news of everything that's been happening locally. And I know that you love him because you've taken care of him before. And by the way, give him the collection that you guys are taking up and he'll take it to this next place and make sure that he's treated well because he nearly died in the process of doing this. And so that's we see it reflected in the epistles. And now we're seeing it reflected inside a church that's focused on disciple making.
2: You know, I really love the version that you're using, Paul. Is it, that was at the Southern uh, colloquialism. You all know, uh, everyone knows Paul Paul
1: would have been a Texan. I'm just saying the apostle uh, Paul was, (laughs) there's so much um, about his character and how he conducts himself and how people respond to him that I'm just like, you know, this man, he got beat down by rocks and he stood up and he's like, all right, he got bit by a snake he's like all right he Don't sits there and he and, and and like continues
2: right so he's so, got some
1: people trying to kick him out of prison and he's like what i know my rights <laughs> this is what texans do
2: so uh you know uh as paul just started going through the list of different people wasn't uh, michael one of the people in your church that really took to this very well was the janitor at the time of your church
3: yes um Devisha, yeah, she was, um, I use, I prefer the term custodian.
2: Oh, excuse me. <laughs> just kidding,
3: just picking. <laughs> yeah, she, she was our, our janitor custodian, um, which meant she saw me a lot. So we, I was was sharing what I was learning and coaching and everything. And um, Devisha just started adopting it and uh, putting into practice what uh, I was doing and, and training her to do.
2: So so what would you say um, Michael is some probably some of the things that holds pastors back from you know perhaps really pursuing this and and what would you if you had a chance to be able to talk to them uh, about that what would you say
3: Um well I think you know if pastors research DMM disciple making movements there's a lot out there and um, there's some some out there that are are negative towards legacy church. And, um, I think that's a, a a driver for some pastors, they go and do their own research. Um, but that's one of the things I would say that about CDM that attracted me is you guys have never been that way. And it was one of the things I noticed on training, uh, that I went to when we were in San Diego and North Carolina was the talk of the, the vision of CDM was the first nations people. The uh, to revitalize the, the legacy church and to reach college campuses, um, it was a big deal because I think, you know, as pastors, we, we see, okay, we have these issues we want to solve, but we also have a commitment to the body of Christ. We don't want to destroy our body that, that God has entrusted us to. Mm. So, um, you know, I think there, there could be some of that out there with pastors looking into to disciple-making movements. Um, but I would say that without a doubt, uh, the way CDM employs these practices and the way that we've put into our church has not hurt our church at all. It's only helped and, and fueled the fire, so to speak, to what, what we want to accomplish.
2: So, what would you say? Uh, you know, maybe for all of us to be able to hop in when it comes to talking to uh, you know church leaders and really wanting to see them be able to shift and and see a difference. What are you know drawing all three of us into this particular part? You know, what are some of the biggest misconceptions, or you know, some of the things that that hold us back uh, in there uh, when it comes to you know uh, being able to lean in with churches. Um, I do have to say that I think one of the biggest challenges that Paul and I face when we're trying to work with churches is uh, just, quite frankly, the spiritual warfare that happens uh, during that time. And I don't think that people really are prepared for that when when we first – you know, hop in there, and we we do this. I mean, it can be anything. It could be you know just an incredible load of busyness that happens. That in fact, we've had some people say, "I haven't been doing almost anything for like the past five to seven years, and suddenly I am more busy than I've ever been in that long." You know, just things I've said, I just I'm I'm now having to work like twelve plus hours a day and all this different type of stuff, and just you know, it could be busyness, it could be uh, illness there have been people that we've worked with suddenly struck with stage 4 cancer you know um it could be uh relationship problems tons of stuff that can just suddenly happen and now you know it's it's difficult to be able to to make any steps forward because of the spiritual warfare
3: yeah or broken arms <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Family members dying. Yes, <laughs> we've had that too. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah. While we're while we're all working together, and and you're right, I think that the that the spiritual warfare is a big one that's unexpected.
2: So you know, another perhaps thing that I, I think that I would like to be able to to encourage church leaders with is the idea of being able to lead with with courage, um, but at the same time with discernment. You know, um, I think that usually you find leaders being on on both sides of the spectrum. Like we're either they're like, we're going in with a sledgehammer. Or we're just going to slam everything to, to, to the walls, you know, and everything. And that that scares people. It makes them run and, you know, and stuff like that. But even more, I would say to the point maybe, and this is more of the current day and age's issues, so I think there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear that if we change things too much. If we, you know, if we allow this to permeate through the church, we might lose control and then it will things will happen, and things will blow up, and that will be a problem. and I and I think that we, and we have to get to a place where we're very certain this is what God wants, and I know we can figure this out as we walk through this, and we call people courageously to let's do this together. You know, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. This is going to be different, but it's also going to be awesome. We're going to see people come to know Jesus. We're going to see the kingdom expand. We're going to see more faith and answers to prayer. And so, you know, to be able to say, this is what we're doing and we're not going on. In fact, Michael, I think I remember I heard you saying one time, or is it sometimes in in leadership that, you know, people are just, testing to see if you'll just move on to that other thing and you're like no I'm not moving on
3: yeah <laughs> you know not, you, you want to explain changing that the subject yeah yeah I mean because you know it, it, here's here's what I would say too about um, I heard you guys mention this in the last broadcast um, you know movement is slow and you have to be committed to to be know I would what I would say being obedient to the scripture is we're called to make disciples among every nation, tribe, and tongue. And we're to do that until we go see him or he comes and sees us. And um, so we have to be locked into that. And and I think uh, what happens is there's a pressure on pastors, especially ones that preach to always have something new and fresh, you know, because people get bored. But I think that's one of the the principles of DMM is like we're, we're shifting from any Any idea of entertainment or I'm here to make you feel good um, to an idea of, no, Jesus said, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So I'm now moving to a place of where I'm not here to wow you with my uh, wonderful sermons, which I mean, sermons are great, but I'm not trying to entertain anyone. I'm trying to prepare people. And I would say this. I'm not doing disciple making, actually, when I preach, but when I preach, it is an opportunity for me to always stoke people's fire, to share stories, to encourage them, and to, to keep them going. And that's, that was, I can remember after talking about disciple making probably every Wednesday night for several months is, hey, listen, there's two subjects we're not changing the subject on. It's prayer and making disciples. And uh, that, that's where that saying sort of originated from and still true today, year and a half later or so. We're not changing the subject because the Bible doesn't
1: change the subject.
2: Ooh, that's a good one there.
1: Yeah, that is good. Um, the, the thing I'd like to sit there and say uh, to add to that, too, is I think that a lot of times pastors are unprepared for the, the process and what it takes to change the the process of changing because we're we're talking about you know the difference between somebody who let's say they thought that exercise was running you know and and a lot of and a lot of times from a pulpit we can sit there and say okay let's inspire you to run harder let's encourage you to run harder maybe even get you to change your gait just a little bit you might go from doing like a 5k to a half marathon and there's a little bit of soreness in there and everything but then what if you took that runner and you said all right guys We're going to do CrossFit. Um, We're going to do some uh, high intensity interval training, you know, which is going to train the whole body to function as one, one unit together to be able to face the challenges we're facing in life. And, uh, and all of a sudden that's a different kind of change for people. It is, it's not just do what you're doing a little bit better. The thing that you've been successful at doing, we can just bump it up a little bit and you'll have your, your growth group will go from being five people to being 10 people. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a radical way of doing everything. And I think that it begins with what Michael says, an intensity uh, or a commitment to not change the subject because the Bible doesn't change the subject, but it also sits there and requires a pastor to be able to pull back from the busyness of their schedule. And they are busy, make no mistake. Um, the busyness of their schedule in order to help plan out the process, guiding their people through change from going from the couch to the five K to being able to be in the gym. As you're talking about a lot, Rebecca, you talk about couch to five K a lot. (laughs) So how do we help them take those steps How do we do it in such a way that it doesn't cause people to get so frustrated and demoralized that they would rather drop out entirely than to continue? Because that's the job of a coach, right? The coach gets to know their players. And they sit there and says, okay, I know what the strengths of this player is, and I know where they're going to have to grow. And I know they respond to this kind of encouragement versus this kind of encouragement. And I'm going to help them move forward and help navigate and overcome the problems. Leaning into what I would say is the Ephesians 4, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And, and most pastors, that's that's kind of a, a, a shock to them because they aren't aware of how to bring complete systemic change over time and everything. They're used to doing, how do I help you do what you're doing better and make those kind of programmatic changes from a pulpit or another program they 'll roll out, and that 's not a criticism on there it 's just saying that that 's what movement takes is, is that 's what we 're asking people to do is to go from from that mentality to another, and that 's usually a shock to the system we 'll get back to the podcast in just a minute let 's
0: hear from one of our CDM members
4: ever since getting coaching with contagious disciple making, I have seen more fruit than ever before i have a discovery bible study with this girl in a restricted access muslim country and through a lot of prayer actually and god opening doors she's been able to discover who the god of the bible is we read the leviticus story and she was amazed that god loves us so much he didn't want us to take punishment and she's starting to see bit by bit who this man, this prophet really is. And not only that, but she's sharing with her friends and family and they're having conversations about this and discovering more together. And when you give, when you partner with this organization, you are partnering with what God is doing in the stories and the lives of
2: people like Mary.
0: You can partner with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com slash partner.
2: So you know, Michael. As speaking of being agents of change, again, you were with us with some of our uh, different uh, trips that we've been going out there. What surprised you about uh, you know how throughout as we were training, coaching, talk, having strategy meetings with what was everything? Imagine putting yourself back into that experience of being with us and and with Paul going around and talking to all those people and having all these, these conversations, what were the things that surprised you about that?
3: Um, I think one of the the main things that surprised me was, um, you know, the new wineskins conference was focused on one particular denomination, the Anglican denomination, but the, uh, the trip to San Diego, we worked with a whole kit and caboodle of different, ideas and belief systems. But I think the one thing that surprised me was that everyone has the same issue. (laughs) It's like, Hey, (laughs) uh, we don't know how to make disciples. We, (laughs) we, we know there's an issue, but how do we do that? How do we do this? We want to do this, but we really don't know what's going on. And and I, I think just, it was surprising because it didn't matter what context you came from. Mm. Um, Everyone was seeing the same things. Now, uh, you know, I, I think too. Uh, talking to people um, uh, and watching this whole process unfold was for some people. There was pushback. Well, well I, I don't know if I, I can do this or or I can do this. Um, that was surprising too. It's like you had two inches of the spectrum. Like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. Or wait a minute, I don't know. <laughs> about some of these things.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So,
3: um, yeah, that I would say is that I I was really surprised that, um, you, you know, it could, especially being a pastor, like I go to my church every time it's open. So I don't, I don't necessarily get to rub elbows in with other denominations and things. So, um, it was really neat to see that, Hey, we are the body of Christ. We're all facing the same issues that we want to fulfill the great commission. And, uh, we're starting to realize, I would say we're starting to realize we don't know how. Um, mm. And I think it's one of the biggest surprises for me,
2: yeah, yeah, and and I'll come back to questions about because I just want to break in and 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 let people know. So when we talk about creating area hubs, so again, you know while CDM provides training and coaching, we're we're far more than that. In fact, we say that we create uh, we catalyze movement through community coaching and communication. So in other words, we're actively trying to see this happen and organize it and create what we call church hubs and area hubs. So a a church hub would be a church that's fully activated into making, you know, disciples, but then an area hub, would be where there's churches and groups and people from across an area working together to and partnering together to seek kingdom vision. And uh, you know, and and I and something that Paul and I and everybody at CDM firmly believes is that we know that disciple making movement can bring all of us together, that as we unite underneath this mission, it doesn't matter whether we're Uh, you know, Anglican, Baptist, charismatic, whatever it is, we're trying to expand the kingdom. And as long as we're not saying that the churches that form from the people that, you know, come to know Jesus has to look and act exactly like ours, as long as we are trying to plant new churches that are, you know, um, having their own identity as they come in as long as we can say that then we have the power of being able to unite and lock arms with the entire body of Christ to see this happen. And this can happen through mobilizing prayer over an entire area. This could happen through doing good works. Uh, You know, Michael, I know that it's dear to your heart as well, you know, for us to be involved in our government and our city and our local areas to be able to say we need to make a difference on every level inside of our our, uh, communities and we can unite in that. And then also uh, when it comes to areas of engagement, you know, when it comes to a public school, there are probably multiple churches that are involved at some level with this local public school, whether it's they're sending their kids there or some teachers that they have at their church are going there. So why not come together to help, you know, engage a school together in these things so we can be able to expand the kingdom and practically work together from this. And so that's something that Paul and I and CDM are actively working to do as we go around, we talk to people is how can we create this very practical you know, uh, cooperation, you know, partnerships that start with a core that have a core team, but then expands out to, to a more of a network in which we're practically working together to see this happen. And that's kind of part of what we're also doing when we're in San Diego, obviously. Uh, and also when we are in, uh, in, uh, new wineskins, because we've been able to have a, started a friendship with, uh, Bishop Ryan Reed from the, um, uh, Anglican diocese in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and to be able to see that happen amongst them. So, you know, Michael, as you are seeing us trying to network and strategize with people, I know for you, it uh you kind of were shocked by how much there was, you know, uh, how much we talked all the time, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, but, you So what about, what were some of your insights and some of maybe, again, some surprises about that process?
3: Yeah. um, Yeah. I think uh, one of the comments I made after work, I was like, man, working with you guys is tiring. I mean, I I travel the world uh, doing mission trips and I was more tired on a six day San Diego trip than on any of those other ones. Uh,
2: (laughs) Well, at least you had a bed.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Correct. And good food, you know, great food. Um, no, it, it, that was the thing, though. Is again the, it, but this that surprise comes back to the fact that there's just people out there with a hunger to to know how to to do this these principles. And uh, I, I think when you're talking about creating hubs in a, in a city or an area, um, it, it makes me think about when I was thinking uh, before this this interview, I was thinking through this process about this is a, this is a way to unify the body of Christ. Yes. Because um, you know, I think there's always been a desire for most people to be unified, Mm. (laughs) but we always struggle with how do we do that? Because Mm -hmm. what does that mean? You know, you come preach at my church or I go to your, no, it means that we often break unity Because of our gathering perspective, but Mm. what we're missing is, um, I share this with our church all the time is that, you know, in my city, there's like 9,000 people. Depending on what statistics you're looking at, some people say 53% of folks will never come to church. So I'm always quoting a number. There's 4,500 people in our city Mm. who are never going to darken the door of any church. Mm-hmm. not just ours but any church why do we fight over the ones that are churched yeah There's four thousand five hundred people out there who haven't heard about jesus or not mm-hmm. or, if, or at least not following christ so let's be unified in that of hey we're not in competition together yeah. we're building his kingdom not our kingdom and if we can work together let's go on this journey together it's one of the beautiful things I saw in San Diego, um, seeing John and Kalani, just how much they loved each other. Mm. You're talking about two different churches, and they're sitting there loving on each other. And that's, that's fantastic, uh, because that's what Jesus told us in John 13. They will know you're my disciple by your love for one another.
0: Mm.
3: Not by, oh, well, you go to Cornerstone Church or you go to First Baptist. Like, no, that's not. They will know about your love for one another. So if I love my, my, my brothers and sisters that could be a part of a totally different denomination, but we're still working together to reach the lost and to make disciples. I think that's the beauty of what we're trying to create in making hubs. And
1: um, it's a great way for that unity to come, come together. I think, I think that that's an interesting comment, Michael. I think that a lot of, of churches... Um, really hadn't had much of a mechanism before to unite in something that was more than meeting social needs or protesting something that everyone agreed was a problem. And even nowadays, agreeing whether it's a problem or not or what we should do about it seems to be getting harder to do. But um, so no one had a mechanism to unite in things in terms of like great commission, great commandment things. And I know I'm speaking generally here. And what disciple-making hubs does uh, do is that they give a body the bodies of Christ in an area, the the Big C Church, a mechanism to join together and to build community from one another. As we were talking in the last segment, that community is built by being on mission together. And we've never had a mechanism that allowed two separate groups of believers with perhaps very different looking services on a sunday morning and and histories and traditions to come together and to work together towards something as meaningful as making disciples and as meaningful as living out the great commandment in tandem, in, in unity uh, uh, with making disciples. And so by the disciple making community or hub, give them a mechanism to do so and to keep them focused on those things, which then allows and facilitates community between everybody, because now we're lockstep together, you know, accomplishing. And it creates the environment where we fall in love with one another. We're like, oh, wait a second. You and I, we're not that different. We love the same things. And we just never had a chance to get together and to work alongside one another.
2: And I think that to your point, concretely, what I think is what people trips people up i think michael that you just mentioned something the effect of oh well you know maybe if we preach at each other's churches or you know I've, i've seen that before and and also i've been a part of different alliances where you know pastors come together like paul said to maybe protest or just have a rally or something like that which again that's fine you know um and that but then also just to have like a Every once in a while meeting where they come together and say, hey, we're all in this together, clap each other on the backs and you kind of go off on their thing. And and again, those are all OK things. But what really lends to the the coming together, first off, it, it starts where Michael talks about where uh, just right now, which is if we can stop thinking, I'm trying to just get as many people for me and my church to come to my church and we start having the vision of multiplication. You know, we we need to plant out more churches. And again, they don't have to look like my church in order to be able to do that. That Something in movement says that we're allowing people that, that the circumstances and culture and obedience of those people to determine the specificities of what the church will look like as it grows up with some guidance, outside guidance. But the reality is, is that it is determined by their own culture instead of the outside culture as to some of the specificities. As long as we can do that, we can be able to partner together. We can walk, we can actively go out there to a school and say, let's have a prayer meeting amongst all of us who want to be able to engage the school. And whether it's uh, teachers or whether it's, uh, you know, um, parents of kids that go to that school, people who are on the school board, other just concerned citizens that want to be able to engage there and say, how can we pray together? How can we be able to do good for the school and develop relationships with the people at the school and through those relationships be able to start discovery groups and be able to ha- put people on as the school board, you know, put people on the school board and put people as the head of this committee or that committee with us so we're, we're working together, practically. Practically to do that. And it doesn't matter if, you know, we have to have a first Baptist church person versus the, you know, um, Pentecostal church person that we're understanding that we are about mission. We're about seeing people come to know Jesus in such a way that it leads to obedience. And we can let the, the little differences between the both of us be that way because we, we can trust God to teach people what they need to know through his word as they're coming up and starting to be disciples in him.
1: So I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Uh, I think several of us are. And, uh, and I've been watching his, his series on marriage. And in that series, he gave a definition of compromise that I'd never heard of before. In my mind, I'd always thought as compromise is coming, dumbing things down to the to the least acceptable or the least offensive thing that both parties will agree to and <laughs> uh, and everything, whether it's in marriage or even in church, you know, unity meetings. I've always felt like different ministries get together and it's like, well, this is important and this is important. Well, we'll compromise. And we compromise on something that's less than both of those things by themselves. And, and that always has, has been a source of of, uh, of sadness within me. But what, what Jordan Peterson said is that compromise is when two people come together and they, they work to figure out how to create something that's even bigger and better than what they could do by themselves. That it's, that it's a compromise towards something together and, and that, that's, that's better. And so what I like about a disciple making community is it comes in and it says the non-negotiables are this. Jesus says, go into all the world make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He gives, he sits there and he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are our non-negotiables. So therefore, everything has to be about how are we making those things happen to the best of our combined ability. And it forces us to have the kind of compromise that Jordan Peterson's talking about, where the product of us working together is better than to individuals working alone, as opposed to the product of us working together is less than to keep the peace. And, and I think that that's one of the strengths of disciple making hub, an area hub, is that commitment to say is the the, the cost of not doing this is so great. And the reward for doing what Jesus said is so incredible that we are going to work and put the best effort forward to help everyone come to know him and to see his kingdom expanded.
2: So one of the ways in which we're talking about practically to be able to do this is uh, I was just like saying, for instance, having a shared place of engagement. So like a school or something like that. That's something that we all kind of share in And it makes sense for us to be kind of united and working together towards that end. Uh, What would you, you know, guys, what would be another practical way that, that churches can work together to expand the kingdom in an area?
3: Um, Well, I think uh, implementing some of the DMC principles together. um, You know, I've been recently talking with pastors about disciple making and, Trying to work towards establishing some some DMCs where um, it's not just my church people. We do that here at our church. We have some DMCs, but um, creating some that are multiple churches. Um, yeah, I think that's one very practical way because, again, the DMC is not a, you know, it's not a church. We're we're trying to to establish a group that is about doing disciple making and, and putting those principles in place, doing it together with people. And really we're sharing a common goal as what we've been talking about, walking with folks is, and I was speak in terms of my place. Hey, we all want to see Liberty reach for Christ. Why can't we have a meeting once a week or once every other week or we're, Hey, let's share testimonies. Let's uh, talk about who we've been engaging. Those places like you mentioned, um, like, I know we have a nurse in our church that is, uh, she lives, works in a city that's far away, but um, she meets with other nurses. They pray together every morning before their shifts, and they are working together to bring the gospel right there in their context in the hospital. Um, they all attend different churches, go different, they're different ways, but they're meeting together together talking together, pr- praying strategies, prayer strategies there that she shared with me. Like, Hey, we, we see these kinds of um, demonic issues going on. We're mm-hmm. praying to the Lord about these and we're seeing just their whole um, dynamic is shifting at their hospital. It's becoming a, a much more pleasant environment and things like that. So I think if we can begin to work together, maybe establish some DMCs together and, um, and begin the disciple making process
2: that that's, I I totally agree with that. You know, Paul and I actually have some DMCs that are like that, that we are coaching and actually one that is forming in the San Diego. One is is surrounding the idea of originally the refugee project uh, journey of hope where it's trying to get other churches to come together and say, instead of trying to have 50 different refugee programs, Mm -hmm. let's come together and have a cohesive process of helping, Uh, refugees from the beginning all the way uh, when they first come all the way into trying to develop relationships that lead to uh, discovery groups and things like that. And so let's have a disciple making community that is for the people who want to be able to do this, to be able to have continued community. And if even if there's not too much happening in the refugee front at the moment, we can be able to to uh bridge and to do some other things as well. So so absolutely another way is to just practically have some things linked together so
1: yeah so I mean we we've, we've mentioned prayer prayer is a great one to be able yeah. to 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 focus things on because a lot of times you know I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I get so focused on life and what's in front of me, that I forget the other things that may be happening in the community that are of importance to other people um, and a, of greater importance, something that has their attention. So I know Rebecca, it really loves the idea of politics and, and engagement in politics and things like that. And for me, you know, that's not something that just grips me, but it's something that affects me, right? Something that's important. And so we'll get on the phone and we'll be talking and she'll go, have you heard about this? And I'll go, oh no, I didn't hear about that. And that needs my attention because I'm
2: the one listening to all the the shows and she stuff. listens to all he the just, shows and everything. So secondhand clues... poli- uh, politics for me, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and so, I,
1: but it it clues me in on something important that maybe requires both my prayer, maybe requires my attention, maybe requires my activity or action and things like that. Because we're in community. And the same thing happens with churches, where you can have one church that's very focused on perhaps the refugee community and another church that's very focused on meeting the needs of orphans and widows nearby. And another church is very interested in seeing how the, how the gospel impacts the political sphere and how we're governed and schools and things like that. So by coming together in terms of prayer, then each of those groups, those members of the body of Christ are saying, okay, well, we need to pray about this thing that's just happening in our schools. Did you know about that? And then the rest of the body goes, Oh yeah, we need to pray about that. And no, I didn't know. And it gives them an opportunity to walk away from prayer. Now, now having God, having got their attention through the activity of prayer and then informing their actions as they pray. And then as they go out back into the space. And so that's one way that these hubs work together because nobody can give 100% of their attention to everything going on in a city, especially one as complex as San Diego, or even one as complex as Liberty, Texas. You might say it's small, but it's still, there's complexity there. But by the body of Christ coming together in a disciple-making hub that's focused on prayer, now all of us are made aware of things that affect each of us. So that then we can act upon those things as a body in order to see the kingdom of God permeate every sphere, like the leaven, the good leaven of the kingdom described by Jesus
2: you know and that's something that Paul and I are very passionate about doing and I know Michael pa- prayer is a passion for you and your church uh, being a- and everything and but something that we want to be able to see happen is creating communities and cultures of prayer surrounding these area hubs so in fact there's some people that we're talking to that have that are working to create what they call prayer canopies over entire cities where churches are working together to ha- to con- constantly be praying for their areas and taking turns and doing that amongst each other. Um, of course, Paul and I, we believe in creating inner communities. So kind of like even what you were saying with the disciple making communities coming together and it's like let's come together and pray together and to share what it, you know, um, call the fast together. I know that Michael, you're one of the people that helped us develop our prayer and fasting guide, which by the way, you can get on our app, our contagious disciple making gap, if you go on there. Uh, but, we see that prayer is not just something where you print up a list of things for people to pray on and disseminate it. It's about means of developing community, of being able to decide on action as to what to move forward with. Because if we're genuinely asking God, show us what we need to be doing in response, then there are going to be action in response. So I just want, want everyone to imagine What it would be like in our cities if we had regular get togethers with people across churches coming together to pray for the city, to be able to pray over issues, to go to various different areas, whether it's public schools or whether it's, um, you know, uh, our city governments or something and praying about certain issues on a regular basis. And then when something happens like a shooting or a, or a uh, another crisis like a hurricane or something like that. We're now fasting and praying and calling together a fast and prayer across the city saying, let's unite to, to be able to be praying for, for this. And what can we do in response to this together as a body of Christ? How much that would just change everything instead of just being kind of like, what Paul was saying earlier, like building the ark as the rain is coming, you know, going, oh, no, we need to raise prayer <laughs> for what's happening. It's like if we're already creating these communities and ways in which we're praying together, then it's now something that even when crises come, we're prepared and we, we come together as communities at this time. So guys, you know, I know we're coming to more towards the close, but I have one more question before we leave, you know, um, when it comes to this, how do we see, you know, first off, you know, obviously Michael, you as a pastor, if you had some pastors or some leaders or some people who are sitting there trying to decide, should I contact CDM about doing a, dig- a disciple making hub out of my church or out of you know, try to be a part of an area hub, what would you say to them? And then two, you know, how do we see this being the solution to what we see happening in our in our nation right now?
3: Um, yeah, so to answer the question, should I contact CDM? Uh, absolutely. Um, I will say, you know, it, it's it's one thing to have the right question that we're raising. Okay, we know we need to make disciples that's that's a good starting point I know I need to make disciples it's another thing to have the solution but there's another step that's you know it's like when you buy a new thing and you open it up and now they come in that little cardboard and the plastic's over and it's got 875 pieces
2: (laughs) The IKEA and, thing, right? And, no, yeah, You're talking about IKEA. <laughs>
3: and you know, like, okay, I know the solution to me getting this put together is right here, but which piece do I start with?
1: Mm.
3: It, it can be overwhelming, even when you start. When you start, you know, because when I when I found CDM, I read the the Contagious Cycle Making book because I was I knew I needed something, some practical things, and th- there's all these practical answers in that book. Okay, great, but how do I do that? <laughs> Me, Michael, like, I was specifically like, okay, I see Paul and David Watson did this in India and this place in Oregon and all of it. Great, I'm happy for them. <laughs> but I live right here in Liberty, Texas, and I don't. where do I start? Mm. What do I do? So yes, Contagious disciple Disciplemaking um, will help you uh, put together a plan for your context. Because there are little nuances sometimes that need to happen based upon the context you live in and the areas you live in, and uh, and two, it just helps you stay on on task. Because I think one of the challenges of when you start making these shifts, or we're talking about any kind of change, what's any change at all, is we are always tempted to fall back to doing what we were prior. You know, think of working out or dieting. You know, we make all these changes, we're doing great and wonderful, but then there's that cheesecake. (laughs) And then before long, you find, oh, I haven't even worked my diet in four weeks, you know. (laughs) So I think having someone to come alongside of you and say, Hey, let's do this for the next couple weeks. And then we're gonna meet again and we're gonna see how it happened what how it worked. Mm -hmm. Instead of you know, I'm going to try this. And then three weeks later, I'm trying something else. And four weeks later, I'm trying something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let's, let's work this out. Let's work this plan and see, see what happens and see what the Lord, Lord does. Because ultimately we're inviting the Lord into this whole process. We can give you a step-by-step thing, but we're inviting the Lord and that's, we, we begin with prayer. And, um, so I think, yes, absolutely. um, Invite CDM to come alongside of you as a pastor because this is an organization that cares about the local church, and I think that is a big deal for pastors. Yeah.
2: Well, th- uh, thanks so much, uh, Michael, on that, and thank you for being a friend with us and being along with this journey and this. And anybody out there who wants to be able to part of developing area hubs or seeing their church being transformed, you know, we want to walk alongside you to see that happen. Um, because, guys, I mean. This is the time. It is not, the time is not five years from now. Okay. It's not even three years from now. I mean, I just want to say this. What our nation needs is the people of God on their knees, in their neighborhoods, in the place they work, talking to lost people and in the places of the public sphere, trying to engage Trying to um, be a loving light to who he is, and it, it can't wait. It can't wait anymore. We have to do this now. And if we, but it, and if we unite, and if we dedicate ourselves to these things, then we're going to see a change. And that's what CDM is trying to do. And we are trying to bring. And we believe that all these things, pro life. Um, you know, gauging refugees, uh, you know, reaching broken families, all this, it's the public schools, all this different type of. it all comes together. All of it comes together in this cohesive thing of trying to see disciple making movements among the lost, seeing the church revitalized, and we'll see transformation happening because we serve a big God. It's not just us, but he is determined to use us. If we don't get up off the couch, then we're not doing the work that he wants us to do to be able to see this happen. So let's do it and let's do it together.
1: I think another thing to add in there, just to build off of what, what, what Michael was saying, too, is that sometimes it's how do we know if what we're doing is working? We might have started something new. But we don't know, at least in the early stages of, is this working within my context? What do I need to tweak or not? And so one of the roles that Contagious disciple making can have, can have not only in giving a mechanism to convene everyone together, but as they're trying new things within their context and as a group to know whether those things are heading in the right direction towards seeing movement happen. And, we have enough experience having done this uh, for, for several decades now to be able to come alongside and say, this this is work. It is working. It doesn't look like it is, but it is. And it's okay. So let's let it, let it play out. And then we're going to see some neat change happen.
2: Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. We'll see you next time.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Michael.
2: Thank you so much for being a part of this particular thing. I, I'm going to tell you that One of the things we really need uh, as a part of this, as you can see, this is a large work and what we really need to see happen our people, uh, you know, we're we're wanting to add more team to CDM. So we, we need a prayer coordinator and a prayer strategist. So we need uh, hub builders and city coaches, and we need to start raising up the next team of people. And part of that is that we need your support. So guys, and we are asking you to help have a share in what we are trying to do and, and what God is trying to do. I mean, this is this is his work, and I, I, this is the burden that is uh, that is beating on our hearts all the time. Is we want to be able to see a disciple making uh, hubs in all these places around the U.S. and the world to be able to to change the tide. And so, we are looking for three at least three hundred partners to take a one hundred month share in uh, CDM's commitment to support, coach, train, equip, and. Well, quite frankly, mobilize disciple makers in every city, state and province and country. So You can just click within our app to be able to go in and give through that giving portal right there. You can have a little button that says give. You just click on that and you can be able to give to us. And we ask you today to make a commitment a monthly commitment because those monthly gifts really allow us to be able to create a budget. It allows us to be able to hire people. Paul and I don't want to hire somebody just to fire them two months later because we didn't, we, you know, we, we, uh, we thought we were going to have money and then we don't, you know, type of thing to be able to do that. And so we, we want to be able to be empowered to, to go forth and be able to, bring more team in and to make disciples through that. We're go- we have already alluded to the refugee programs that we're working with during this time, the, the area hubs that we're working on, also our foreign partners, how we're seeing, starting to see multiplication in those particular ones as they've just began their work and, and uh, are now in that stage. Of development, and so we're all in these places. In fact, oh my goodness, right, Paul. We also have a hub that's developing in Germany, that we are. Yeah, and so um, uh, Germans are wanting to step up and be able to to multiply disciple making, and so we're having a hub that's forming in Germany.
1: And we have we have church partners emerging in uh, in Australia uh, that are wanting to use their churches to be able to um, be to catalyze disciple making movements throughout Melbourne and Sydney and places like that.
2: So, you know, guys, we're just really excited about how all the different opportunities that God is bringing and the and the work that he wants to do. And so just like we talk about investment into, a, a you know, a company or something like that that says, hey, you know, be a shareholder will be a shareholder and what God is trying to do. So first off, we do want you to be praying for us Two, we want you to be going with us to participate in what we want. Uh, we're hoping to see happen what we know God wants to have happen. And around us, but also number three, we really need to, your your support uh, in these things, you know, uh, working in this, uh, you know, realm is something that um, is a parachurch organization is we're not attached to any particular denomination. And so we need the support of regular people like you who are willing to be able to stand up and support what we're doing.
1: I'm Paul Watson, and this is Rebecca Ewing, and you've been listening to the CDM podcast. Like, share, five-star rate, and review this podcast. You can listen to our full premium content by becoming a $5 a month supporter on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash faithworks, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash faithworks, or click on the link in the description.
0: Thanks for listening to the CDM podcast. For coaching or other resources, connect with us at contagiousdisciplemaking.com. Or download the Contagious Disciple Making app. Join us in the journey of becoming world changing disciple makers.